What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL marathon matchup show, the final one of the regular season. So as always, appreciate those of you who have stuck with us all 18 weeks from start to finish. It's been a wild ride and a fun one at that. And Matt and I look forward to continuing this one into the postseason. I'm Dave Lockren at Lafayette underscore D L O U G H Y underscore D for those of you podcast listeners with Matt Savoka wrapping up the regular season 13 game slate. You can follow him at draft on Twitter. What's going on, man. It's been a, it's been a long ride, but we're finally here. Yep, this is the last of the marathon matchups, and I thought I was going to have to bring one of those Camelback, those uh, those water bottle backpacks. Should have done uh, it for this last one. It's almost merciful that they moved some games to Saturday, some games to Sunday night. They were really thinking of I'm a Tulsa dog, who you know, if I had that many games, I would say salary based expectations that he'd be in the hospital with uh, with liver problems by the end. Yeah, uh, but uh, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us, for uh, all the kind words throughout the year. Can't say how much that means. And uh, I mean, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. Someone won a million dollars and, you know, goes out on Twitter and thanks a few people. And, you know, I'm included in one of them. I can't tell you how much that means. It's incredible stuff. It's a good feeling, isn't it? It really is. I mean, why else? I mean, this is worth it. Otherwise, it's a hell of a lot of fun, but. It's all worth it when those things happen. No doubt. And hey, that was best ball, too. That was the work we did over on the uh, Fantasy Football Channel, which is brand the inception of the Fantasy Football Channel was for the 2021 season. So I'd call that a win, too, Matt. Oh, absolutely. And uh, we have huge plans for that channel over there, too, as uh, we get into 2022. So, so excited for the for the road ahead. Thanks for being here as we uh, had an awesome season. And let's dig into it. Big slate anyway. Yeah. And uh, hey. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. It means a lot to us, and it uh, helps us keep the lights on around here. Sounds crazy, right? Like, oh, the thumbs up button helps us keep the lights on. In all seriousness, you know, if you like this content, you want to see more, and you appreciate it, all the free content we put out here on the YouTubes, uh, it does. It helps us greatly. It helps us keep moving, uh, and obviously helps us get people over to this to the website as well, where I think you'll love all of the tools which by the way, free stuff over at the site today, ownership rankings for NBA, NHL player projections, both free. You don't need an account or, or anything. You don't even need to sign up if you want to check that out. But yeah, thanks for getting us to 70,000 subs. We're at 70,300 now. And uh, if you want to join the channel, you want to become one of our, our valued, greatly valued members around here, our cherished team awesome old people, get those badges that you see. They're different because certain people have been here longer than others and they improve over time the custom emojis, the free super chats each month, and always priority shout outs and questions along with our premium Discord members. You can hit that join down below the thumbs up button, of course, after you hit it. Anyway, Matt, what do you say? 13 games. Oh, and by the way, you're right. Very, very, very thoughtful of the NFL to not just completely do us in (laughs) with all of these Sunday games. I mean, it could have been rough, but now you get a Sunday night game. Now you get two Saturday games. You go from what could have been a 16-game slate to 13, and it's a little bit more palatable now. It's a little bit more easy to digest. So it makes me feel a little better going into this one. We might not go till 6 p.m. We might not. We might not. And you know what? Some of these totals are super low, super, super low. So if you feel strongly about games that are in the quote-unquote second tier this week, they're in the usual third tier of game totals. So uh, I'm excited to dig into these, but uh, some we can certainly move a little bit faster than others. No doubt. And yes, uh, Stephen, I did see the Antonio Browns. Uh, 
I honestly feel bad for the guy at this point. I mean, and then he's posting stuff about his trainer. And I, I guess he, he's posting that seemingly thinking it's an indictment upon his, his trainer. But to me, it looked like his trainer, you know, went by the books and said, hey, listen, you know, wh whatever you need back, I got you. So the, the, the whole situation, Matt, it, it really is at this point. On, it honestly is sad. Listen, I I joke about a lot of things, but I worked at a dual diagnosis uh, drug and alcohol treatment facility for years working with adolescents, inpatient from 14 to 18 years old. And a lot of those kids, man, I, the, you know, you see, you see some shit you know, when it comes to psychological stuff and as, as easy it is to look at them and go, and most people just know me as this brash person that doesn't care about anything, which is largely true. But when you start to see stuff like this and just like the complete disintegration of rational thinking, it certainly makes you feel a, a different way. That's all I'm going to say. Well, I actually genuinely really appreciate your opinion opinion on this. I don't think you're someone just spewing it. And it is impossible to diagnose someone from afar, but this is kind of ridiculous at this point when it comes to Antonio Brown and all this stuff. I certainly don't love to talk about this stuff because it's outside the realm of fantasy football. But at the same time, like I've never seen anything like that in regards to that Jets Buccaneers game last week. And you know, it's definitely worth talking about. We'll certainly get into the implications and how it affects Tampa Bay moving forward here. But uh, I think the easiest thing we can all say is hope the help that he needs is available to him and he's willing to accept it. Your camera looks good, though. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Press the upgrade button on that recently. Yeah, looking good, man. Looking good. <laughs> all right, let's make this happen. 13 games to hit on here. And there is one game with a total over 45 points on the entire 13 game slate. So, uh, yeah, let's have some fun. Kick it let's off with it. Green Bay and Detroit. The Green Bay Packers are four point favorites because Matt LaFleur said uh, it'll all be based on feel, uh, depending on when he or if he removes his starters from this game. So as of now, we have to assume that Aaron Rodgers is, is going to start and the starters are going to be expected to to play in week 18. The problem I have though is, is, is this like an MVP thing for Rogers to, to, to play a full, full game in week 18, or should we expect them to only play a half? What should we be expecting from the running backs? Aaron Jones has been banged up since week 11. Uh, you know, what, this is one of those situations in a week 18 spot, uh, or in previous years, week 17, that makes it really difficult to figure anything out. Oh yeah, this is this is really hard to parse out because we're not just talking about projecting fantasy points and projecting opportunities, which is tough enough on its own. But now we're talking about how much playing time our players going to get, how much coach speak do we have to take into consideration here? And so we got to look at the probabilities and the you know how much does a win or a loss affect teams going forward here? And Green Bay, in terms of what they have to win or lose, they they have almost nothing to gain here. They have a basically 99.9% .9 chance of being the number one seed. I know the matchup looks great. And if you were projecting Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams to have a full workload, they're playing the Detroit Lions, who just gave up 51 points to the Seattle Seahawks last week. It would be great, but I don't, if I'm Matt LaFleur, I don't know how you play all these players a full game. Maybe it is a situation where you want to play them in the first quarter or the first half because he's going for an MVP season in Aaron Rodgers. But I think if Aaron Rodgers sits this game, he might be the MVP as it is. 
Is it not a hundred percent chance? I thought they already clinched the first round by. I, I saw a chart that had ninety nine point nine plus. So I assumed that meant that there was some scenario, but it literally could be that their chart didn't include a hundred percent. Ah, that might be it. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm seeing that they clinched. Either way, we know that they're getting that first round by. We know that they've clinched. That they got the one seed. So, I, 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 as of now on a Thursday, Matt. For those of you listening after the fact, maybe Saturday, uh, Thursday, Friday, or whatever. We're, this is around 11 o'clock Eastern on Thursday morning, just to give you an idea of where we're at as far as news coming in and everything. But um, I, I'm staying away from the Packers right now. If we get word that, you know, Aaron Jones is out and maybe A.J. Dillon's expected to get a full workload against Detroit, you can, you can definitely change my mind there. But as far as receivers go, you know, do I want to pay a, the, the, the ceiling for Devontae Adams when he's basically the same price as Cooper Cup, who does have something to play for. It just doesn't seem like a wise situation to do that. I, I totally agree. Um, and I'm looking at our ownership projections, which literally just got a new run on Osmo.com three minutes ago. And, you know, while this will obviously change throughout the week, we are anticipatorily looking at Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones as sick candidates. We have both players under 1% ownership. Obviously, if we hear further that they're going to play more, we'll change that. But, uh, you know, that, that says a lot going forward here. So I do want to point out, we mentioned, we talked about this before the show, before the mics were hot, but the Rams, Matt, do clinch the NFC West with a win or a tie or an Arizona loss or a tie. So I, I only point that out to say, like, even if Devontae Adams is starting, but we're still uncertain how much run he's going to get, give me Cooper Cup at the same price. I mean, yeah, you have to. Absolutely. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Especially with the way that San Francisco secondary is grading out with all those injuries. Yeah, we'll no get doubt. That, but. And uh, Cup's got some incentives here to, to break some records. Granted, there'd be an asterisk, an asterisk next to it, given that, it's an 18 game or a 17 game season, but it would still be pretty cool. Uh, I want to see him get 2000 yards. He needs like 172 or something. So it's, it's tough, but wait till we get to that game. And I take you on over to odd shopper and let you see what that, uh, that receiving yards prop is and where we've got him projected for week 18. It's nuts. We'll get there momentarily, but uh, with Detroit, Jared Goff's questionable. We've had Tim Boyle start back-to-back games. The one real constant each and every week since like what the middle of November uh, has been Amon Ross St. Brown. Matt, this guy's got double digit targets, eight plus receptions in five straight games now, three of which Goff started, two of which were started by Boyle. He scored in four of five games. He had that game winning touchdown uh, to walk it off against Minnesota to get their first win of the year. He truly has been spectacular. What do you do with a guy like St. Brown this week? who has been the focal point of the offense through and through for over a month now. Yeah, it's like if you're hitting with Tim Boyle on this Detroit Lions offense, twice it's like you had my attention, now you have my curiosity. Because <laughs> uh, I'm on Ross St. Brown, I get it. He's, he's now wide receiver 12 in salary. So you kind of miss the boat. You miss that ride getting to the top of the salary pool. But I think you could play him. When you look at projections compared to salary-based expectations, it's not phenomenal, but you're still seeing him in the optimal lineup 3.5% of the time. Um, that's right around his ownership. It, it does look like a negative leverage play, but look, he's got, a, he's got a really solid slot role on a team that really needs to lean on a slot receiver. So 
I'm looking at a player who has 17 expected DraftKings fantasy points per game and a slate that's kind of missing in terms of uh, mid-tier wide receivers. I think you could play him. Sorry, uh, Anthony Marcus said what AB did wasn't that bad. Y'all are gassing it. Have you been paying attention to the Antonio Brown saga over the past three years or two or however long? Come on, man. I, I, the, to, down, to downplay just the antics because he somehow remained dormant. These, these behaviors remain dormant for eight months or a year or whatever. Doesn't necessarily take away from the fact that it always ends up being something again. That's all. I mean, he threw his shit into the stands and sat in the in the end zone doing jumping jacks. Like, it, come on, come on, Anthony. You know, you know. Do you like anything else for for, for Detroit, Matt? Because I, I, for me, it's Amon Ross St. Brown, and I don't think he's an essential piece just because his price is coming up considerably, and Jared Goff is questionable. But um, that's really it for me. After seeing what we saw Dan Campbell do, utilizing DeAndre Swift pretty minimally in his return. I don't really know what to do with the backfield either. And I'm not really looking forward to targeting a split for one of the lowest scoring offenses in the league. Yeah, that wasn't fun seeing last week. Andre Swift technically active 57% of snaps, 18% of the rush attempts for Detroit is not going to be good enough for any, but anybody in fantasy football, no matter how talented you are. I hope we see more usage for Andre Swift, but Maybe they just end up riding out the season with Jamal Williams here. Jamal Williams is running back 40 this week on the slate, 4,800 on DraftKings, and he's averaged 13.7 expected DraftKings fantasy points. We honestly have both players right now based on their projections as values compared to salary. I think you can go, uh, because of the popularity of Amon Ross St. Brown, I don't think it's unreasonable to play these other wide receivers, but you're talking about large field tournaments for players like Josh Reynolds or somebody like that. So for me, maybe in large fields, Josh Reynolds or Swift. But other than that, it's just St. Brown. So, um, and Stephen, I think he could have been injured too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm not. I'm not putting all the blame on AB. I'm just saying that there, there's more. There, there, there's, there's a lot beneath the surface there as well. Okay. Anyway, uh, the next game, Matt. I'll tell you what I mentioned to to Gajeski and, and and Eric yesterday on the ownership show. I, I talked to Ben and, and Jordan about this on the first look show on Tuesday that if Dalton was expected to start, I probably would have gone back to a low owned Darnell Mooney just because the guy is getting so many targets with Andy Dalton. We know Andy Dalton is prone to to lock on to a guy. Allen Robinson has become nothing more than an afterthought this season, and it's unfortunate because I really liked him coming into the year. It's been Darnell Mooney if it's not uh, David uh, Montgomery. But with Justin Fields, I just amazingly, I have less faith in Justin Fields to get uh, Mooney the ball consistently or at least target him consistently, especially given his rushing upside, whereas Dalton's more of a statuesque quarterback than I do with Andy Dalton. So to me, Chicago is pretty simple. I'll go back to the well with David Montgomery against Minnesota in a game that has a you know pretty negligible four-point spread in Minnesota. Uh, he's a guy that if they fall behind, even with fields is still going to see a good amount of targets and has seen 20 plus carries in three of his last five games. So Montgomery's my guy here. Uh, his price has come up. I don't think he's as much of a necessity as he would have been maybe last week, but this is the one guy from Chicago that I like, and I'm sure you'll talk to about Cole Komet too, but I have some reservations there with fields back starting. 
Yeah, I think you said it. With a prototypical pocket passer, you look at players like Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet, really, playing against the Minnesota Vikings, who are bottom five in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed, which just contextualizes fantasy points allowed for the offenses they've already played at this point. We know a lot at this point in the regular season. I would be all, I, not all in, but much more in on these players. Still, we're seeing them in the optimal lineup 5% of the time, or Darnell Mooney 5% of the time. That's right in line with his ownership around 6 7%. I'm fine there. David Montgomery is a fine cash play as well and has a projection right in line with salary-based expectations. But as you said, the salaries come up and the popularity has come up to the point where I think it's a reasonable thing to say strategically, I'm going to fade this player in tournaments. You got to say, though, in expected fantasy points per game, no player on this slate, or no running back on this slate, I should say, I should say, has more expected fantasy points per game over the last six weeks than David Montgomery. That's because of that receiving workload that he's gotten, though. If Fields comes in and starts to rush a little more, suddenly those targets go away just a little bit, and we don't see those expected fantasy points numbers quite as high. Cole Komet, he's fine. I mean, you're talking about a player who's 3,400. So... If you want to play a player who's 3,400 on a reasonably high total game, at least for this weird slate, go for it. But for the most part, he's disappointed compared to expectations all season. Now that we know Mike Zimmer has announced that Kirk Cousins will start this week 18 game against the Bears, what are your thoughts on the pass catchers for Minnesota going back to a guy like Justin Jefferson, especially with Adam Thielen on the IR? Because I think this could be a, uh, quite the smash spot for Jefferson. And let me say, too, in that game last week against Green Bay, where they were down 37 to 10 on the final couple drives, Justin Jefferson never came off the field. He played till the final snap. So is that any indication of what we'll see out of him this week? I don't know, but I would say probably. I don't really have any any concerns that Jefferson isn't going to be on the field. Yeah, okay. and didn't Dalvin Cook come into the uh the, his press conference yesterday with something like wearing a shirt saying he was going to go all in for this week, no matter what. And so you hope that kind of permeates to the rest of the team and they're going all in on a meaningless game here while they're seven and nine uh, looking to go eight and nine to finish the season. I think Justin Jefferson's a really solid play in all formats here. We have him as a 17 and a half percent chance of being in the optimal lineup. That's right in line with ownership here. And he's actually wide receiver one in expected fantasy points not cooper cup again over the last six weeks in sample size now in fantasy points versus expectation it's a much different story you could say that's because he's playing with cousins and sean Mannion. but still when you look at opportunity justin jefferson looks as good as any receiver in football especially on the slate which doesn't have a lot of premier options at wide receiver that we know will play the full game the bears have been tougher against the pass in the second half of the season, right now they rank uh, top 10 in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing offenses, and they're easier to run against. But Justin Jefferson gets wide open. I don't think they have a single player on, in that secondary who can cover Jefferson one-on-one. -on -one. So I still think you can project enough workload to say he's a valuable option at 8,100 on DraftKings. Do you like Dalvin Cook here? I think you'd, I think you'd say you do. Okay. Yeah, I think running so back too. four, 7,800. I think you could easily see 25 opportunities to close out the season here with like a tar, uh, uh, targets of like five to seven range here. So he's one of my favorites. Again, we have pro projections for him and Jefferson ahead of salary-based expectation.
I like Jefferson and Cook quite a bit. You get Cousins back. It, it really makes things a little bit easier uh, to know where the ball's going to go. So this is a really concentrated offense. That's what I like. Unless Alexander Madison ends up getting a lot of work here, you're looking at a lot of Jefferson, looking at a lot of Cook, and then maybe a little bit of Tyler Conklin and, and, and some K.J. Osborne. But, yeah, those two guys, I think you could see a, a really extensive workload from them this week uh, in a game where they, they should win at home. So two, two guys I like a lot heading into week 18. Now, if you get away from this game and we start talking about Indy and Jacksonville, this is where things start to get a little bit ugly. The, the, the Indianapolis Colts are 15 and a half point favorites, uh, 44 point total. Jacksonville is essentially just given up on the season. It's dreadful watching this team. Uh, there is already a, 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 a potential pro well, I don't know if you've seen this, but a lot of the fans, thing. yeah, are, are are thinking about dressing, coming to the game dressed up as clowns to protest. Who are they protesting? Is it the G? It's, it's not the G. It might be the GM. Yeah, that they're it keeping is, right? uh, Trent Balky. Is that his name? I'm not sure. I just yeah. know you might see a lot of clown faces in Jacksonville uh, to close out the season. I mean, it has gotten really bad there. There's there's really no redeeming qualities anymore outside of you have a young quarterback that hopefully gets better that you drafted number one overall but with the Colts I I, I would be hard-pressed to think there's there's no way or that, that they don't route Jacksonville given the spread given their ability to run the ball down their throats so with Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman those are the two guys worth talking about most but Taylor's also pretty expensive so do we get there and sacrifice quality talent elsewhere or do we maybe get away from Taylor and hope he does something similar to last week where he had a decent game, but certainly not a slate breaker? Yeah, I'm not surprised to see that one in five lineups are expected to have Taylor in their, in their their on their roster this weekend. That makes a lot of sense to me. You're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, as you said, essentially have given up this season. While there are technically some defenses that are worse than them in the NFL, they're so below average in basically every single metric that – I think Jonathan Taylor easily has the highest percentage of being the the top scoring running back here. Um, I will say the the thing that disturbs me the most about the Jacksonville Jaguars season is the Subway commercials for Trevor Lawrence. Um, imagine how much hair is in those Subway sandwiches as it's blowing all around. It always gets me so upset. Anyway, I digress. I, I do think that Michael Pittman has a huge huge ceiling here against the Jack, the Jaguar secondary, uh, well, well below average in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed and easier to pass upon than rush against. But we're talking about, we're talking about them trying to close out their season and have a solid seed in the playoffs. Jonathan Taylor could easily see 25 rush attempts on his own, especially if Indianapolis is just trying to close out this game. I mean, the Jaguars put up no fight against against new England last week. I was, it was, it was an embarrassment. So I don't know how you can project anything better going forward here. I, I want nothing from Jacksonville. Um, and yeah, it's, it, you're, you're, you're right. Strami. It's they're, they're, they're protesting con because they want him to get rid of the, the GM. That that's what it is. Uh, but with Jacksonville, I want nothing. Uh, you can we can try and make arguments for why it would be wise, but I, I don't really see I don't I, I don't see any silver lining here. Like you want to go to Ogunbowale? Fine. Okay, fine. Maybe, maybe he gets a work a decent enough workload there. 
but there's going to be plenty of 5k running backs that are just in better spots that don't have uh near non-existent implied team totals right like they're at 14 and a 14 point implied total I, I i don't see it i mean trevor lawrence has thrown what one touchdown over the last like seven weeks or something i just i'm not really in the business of trying to to i'm not in the business actually one touchdown two touchdowns since week nine that's nine games he has two touchdowns pole. yeah it's awful i'm just i'm good i'm good on the jags matt Dara and Gunbawale is one of those players where our tools are definitely going to tell us to lean into the, that uncertainty just because there are only so many players at the running back position that we can project for the level of volume that we can Ogunbowale considering even considering the game script here. His chance of being in the optimal lineup is still it's less than 10%, but it's way, way more than his projected ownership right now in the three to five percent range. That doesn't mean he's a good play all of a sudden. It just means he has a 7 to 10% chance of hitting. I don't think that's happening. That's far, far from the most likely outcome here. But you are right. And and, and you uh, pointed out or pointed to the tools. You are right. Like, it, is he probably a reasonable play? Yes. So I, I don't want to go too hard on, on Dario Ogumbawale because if he gets the, 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 the passing upside and and they do give him the, the bulk of the receiving work with Robinson out and, and basically having nobody else in this backfield. I get it. I do. But he is a middling play at, at best, even if he's uh, a reasonable one, you know, according to our boom bust tools and, and ownership. That's what you're saying, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's kind of the same thing on the wide receiver side. Marvin Jones has gotten 19 targets over his last two games, including four in the red zone. You kind of take that volume on any team it's just worth way less when it's trevor lawrence's targets on this jacksonville jaguars offense for sure and uh questions about does does indy pull taylor early if they're up big or let him try for the record there's no real record here though because and, and then i know you corrected yourself you said for 2000 i don't know it's tough because that's a lot of yards first of all he needs like 266 yards or something to get there now, granted, if you look at the last game of the season last year for Jonathan Taylor, it was against this same, this same Jacksonville Jaguars team, and he went for uh, 253 and two on 30 carries. So that's pretty good. But I, I don't know. It's not a. It's it's a reasonable question. Do they do they pull him early if they're up by a ton? Maybe, but it's really. I, I'm not willing to try and project that. I, I'm not willing to try and do that because once we start like. We have the spread, but once we're projecting them sitting guys because they're already up by a certain amount of points, that just gets into kind of uncharted territory where you're not going to do yourself any favors trying trying to do that with a, with a bunch of teams. So, right? Uh, How just, did they get there? Why did why are they so far ahead? Of course, you know the odds are be, yeah. probably because Jonathan Taylor wins. Exactly. Nuts. Right. So maybe yeah, right. So exactly that's the thing. So even if they do sit him early, is it because he has 200 yards and two touchdowns? I don't know. Nobody knows. Uh, what I would say is if if you like Jonathan Taylor and there's no reason not to, you just play him. But yeah, Matt, I expect a heavy, heavy, heavy dose of Jonathan Taylor this week. Um, the Raiders defense has been playing better lately, particularly the run defense. So it's not a shock to see that last week he didn't have a huge game. But mind you, he still averaged 5.4 yards per attempt in that game. It was still solid. 
So, uh, yeah, it should be an explosive game from Taylor here. Do you have any interest in maybe being a little bit different and going with a Pittman, you know, Michael Pittman here, or is this mostly Jonathan Taylor for you? Oh, I have no problem going to Michael Pittman. 5,900 on DraftKings are outside the top 15 wide receivers. You know that you have 30-point upside. He's literally already done it this season. So Pittman's pretty solid in expected fantasy points for a run-first team. 15 expected DraftKings fantasy points ranks, you know, sorry, just had it, 13th among wide receivers on this slate. So that's that's pretty solid, even if he's been a little bit below expectation during that same span. As we said, Jacksonville is bad all over the field. If for some reason they're able to sell out to stop Jonathan Taylor and are successful in doing so, you'll see Carson Wentz pull up and, and take some deep shots, and then P Pittman would be the main beneficiary there. He's in the optimal lineup 11% of the time right now in our latest Sims. Tennessee and Houston, let's get to another one here that uh, has – Blowout potential written all over it. I will say, though, if there's one team that Ben, ben calls him a random number generator, and, and, and he's right to a certain extent, that just will surprise you, good and bad, like that win against San Francisco uh, or a loss earlier in the season to this same Houston team where Tannehill got picked four times or a loss to the New York Jets, that would be the Tennessee Titans. Very, very strange season from the Titans, who, as it stands, if they win, the, all they have to do, all they have to do to clinch the number one seed is win, okay? That's all they have to do to clinch that first round by is win. So, yes, of course I expect Tennessee to get this win. But I will say, unlike Jacksonville, Houston has actually been somewhat, somewhat, they have a pulse offensively. Davis Mills has improved. Um, Brandon Cooks has been very good. You know, this is a... a the wide receiver, I think, 15 this year. He's played really well. As I said yesterday, one of the more unheralded players in the game, and I'll stand by that, a 1,000-yard receiver again every year, even though he's had good quarterbacks. He did it with Terod Taylor and Davis Mills, eclipsed 1,000 yards, 30-plus percent target share. So I, I do think that somebody like Brandon Cooks is still very much in play in a game like this, especially as big dogs where he's going to get 30-plus percent of looks almost every single week. Uh, and then on the other side, it's A.J. Brown for me. And while Derrick Henry is, uh, he is expected to come off the IR sooner than later, he's been designated for return. He is a quote, and I quote, long shot to play this week. So Dante Foreman, A.J. Brown, Brandon Cooks are my three guys from this game that I like. And I don't even hate having like a secondary stack with an A.J. Brown and Brandon Cooks with no quarterback. I think you summed this up very, very nicely here because Houston, as a defense, they're still a team that we're going to be picking on consistently, and we'll probably do, be doing that going into next season as well. They are now ranked dead last in PFF's team defensive grades. Congratulations, Jets. You are now 31st for the first time, I believe, all season. In schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed, they're still – you know, well below average, but they're not quite at that bottom three level that they are in PFF grades. So there's something that the charters are seeing over uh, the film grinders that the analytics aren't necessarily having play out. I still think Dante Foreman gets the 
the requisite touches to dominate here against a bad Houston defense here. 5,700, he looks like one of those value options. We don't have any free squares as of yet at running back. He does look like one of those value options going against a very, very bad defense that we can take advantage of. You said it, Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown are in great spots. A.J. Brown's salary is certainly palatable at 7K. He's actually wide receiver five in the games that he's played over the last six weeks in expected fantasy points per game. And then on the other side, it's all about Brandon Cooks, who somehow will will just be 28 years old when next season starts. Yeah, all he does is uh, outperform expectations this year, seventh in target share among wide receivers, third in air yard share. And even on this atrocious Houston team, he's 18th in fantasy points per game. So when you're getting this much volume in a game that, you know, at least for this week, has a relatively decent total. I can't believe I'm saying 43 is a decent total, but here we are. You can definitely play this whole game stack. I kind of like it. Me too. It's not the ugliest thing. Uh, what about Rex Burkett, uh, who actually has some incentives coming into this Houston? Who would have thought that he could make he could hit his incentives, Rex Burkett this year? I mean, they probably just tossed that into the contract, like here, pal, take this, you know, knowing that he would never hit. But uh, here he is now, <laughs> Rex Burkhead, actually playing pretty solid football recently, and was in the Millie Maker. He was in the optimal lineup just two weeks ago. Yeah, and I, I, this is why I love expected fantasy points because, because he was in the optimal lineup. 28.9 fantasy points is going to get it done against the Chargers in Week 16, but it's still 13.5 expected fantasy points per game, and he's actually performing slightly below expectation on a six-week sample size. So, yes, that's a product of his offense, and I don't think he's a bad player by any means. He's fairly elusive. I mean, in evaded tackles, he's... 50th among running backs but it's still not something that really excites me even though he's gotten a high fantasy production as of late clowning in chat says uh we do have a free square p ryan with mixing out honestly dude I, I don't think that is a free square he's not like they preemptively priced him up so you're paying the same for p ryan as you would be for a lot of these other 5k running backs uh, they're, they're touchdown dogs without Joe Mixon or sorry, without Joe Burrow. Burrow yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's to tough. me in all, they have a 16 point implied total. It's believe it or not, the fourth lowest on the slate behind ahead of only the jets, Jaguars and giants. It, the, the outlook is, is actually somewhat bleak and we'll get there, but, uh, I'm willing to have that conversation. So I'll entertain any of it. Anyway, prize picks, shout out the prize picks, our sponsor doing big things over there. People have loved playing at prizepicks.com, whether they download it in the App Store or the Google Play Store, wherever it is. It's daily prop-based contests for football, baseball, basketball, hockey, PGA. Hell, they have cricket. They, they have so many sports. Just a ridiculously uh, expansive menu of, of player props over there, of which you can mix together. Say you build a five-player uh, lineup. Uh, of props where there's no juice on either side. It's just the over or the under. You can do three NFL. You can do one NBA. You can throw a PGA in there and make it however you want. And if you hit five of five, you 10 extra entry. But unlike now here, listen up. Unlike traditional books where if you hit four of five, you miss on the late night hammer, you're miserable. Say you're on the East Coast like me. You stay up all the way till you know 1 a.m. in the morning. You're like, I just need this last one. And I hit it huge. Let me get this fifth leg 
go five of five here. And then buzzer beater, you lose. They blow a 15-point lead late, and a team that was laying two ends up winning by one on a meaningless three-pointer by the opposition at the buzzer, and you're devastated. Not a prize picks. If you hit four or five on these props, you still 2x your money. Hell, if you hit three or five, you still make money back. That's what makes it exciting. Also, the $100 first match deposit bonus when you use the promo code AWESOMO, A-W-E-S-E-M-O. That's pretty solid. But more than anything else, now, if you use our link that's in the description or the one that Jordan Klein is about to throw in the chat right now, you get a free month of AWESOMO plus Platinum, $90 value. So say you haven't had the you haven't had the resources to sign up at Awesome, but you've really wanted to try it. You've watched our Hall of Fame segment. You see everybody winning. You see everybody on Twitter, and you want to try, but you haven't been able to yet. Here's your chance: sign up at Prize Picks using the link, get a free month of Awesome Plus Platinum. Every single thing on the site, every single tool we have and we refer to throughout the shows, all built by Alex Baker, Awesome himself, fellow that just won a million dollars on Sunday. Yeah, him. So. I mean, seriously, take advantage of this and if you haven't done so yet. And you'll receive an email within 24, 48 hours to redeem your free month of Awesome Plus Platinum. Matt, you got anything for uh, week 18 over at Prize Picks? So Stefan Diggs is playing the Jets, and I get it. He may not play the full game, but 65 and a half receiving yards for Stefan Diggs. Let's go over. Come on. Okay. I dig it. Plus, he's got some incentives. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at here. I think we someone mentioned it in chat as well. He, he's getting 100 yards and a touchdown. He might be my 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 lock it in live before a lock pick too. I'm gonna go, and this is this this could be surprising to you. I'm gonna go over 56 and a half rushing yards for Saquon Barkley because this team at this point, their entire objective is just to avoid being totally embarrassed. They had negative 10 passing yards last week on the game, the entire game, negative 10 passing yards. And they ran the ball a hundred times. I mean, Barkley had 21 carries in a 26 point loss. I think they'll just feed him again. And if they do, he doesn't need to be great. He just needs to average more than like 2.8 yards per attempt. So uh, I think that's pretty solid. Prizepicks.com, app store, Google play store, use the promo code. Awesome. get a hundred dollar um, first match deposit bonus. And Use the link, get the free month of Awesome Plus Platinum. I don't know what you're waiting for. I mean, it's an opportunity that if not taken advantage of, one may call you silly. All right, Matt, let's keep going here. We got uh, four down, nine to go. Some of these will be cruising through, but this one, Pittsburgh, five and a half point dogs at Baltimore, 41 and a half point total. <laughs> they tried to give Ben Roethlisberger his, uh, his Kobe, you know, home retirement game. And my God, was it ugly. He averaged 2.7 yards per attempt on 46 pass attempts. Truly, truly disgusting. And if I told you that a guy in Deontay Johnson was going to have eight receptions and 15 targets, you'd be like, oh, man, he must have broke the, the slate. Nope. He had 17 fantasy points on eight receptions and 15 targets because he had 31 yards. Crazy. Yeah, and now he may not be playing at all because right before the show started, we got news that Deontay Johnson has tested positive or at least is being put on the COVID-19 list, which isn't great news when you're on the road at Baltimore and you need a win and a Jacksonville win in order to make the playoffs. So uh, it was a weird 
bittersweet send-off with uh, with Ben Roethlisberger last Monday night. It was nice to see them win, but it was kind of capped by plays by Najee Harris and their defense. And as you mentioned, it was a historically inefficient game for a player who has thrown 45 or more passes. We're not very bullish on Ben Roethlisberger in fantasy football. I think we can leave it at that. Najee Harris, on the other hand, he's getting a ton of work. He, even on this offense that doesn't really make it into the red zone as much as we want, is still getting over 17 expected DraftKings fantasy points per game. So you can play him at 7,200. And then we got to look at Chase Claypool and Pat Fryermuth now that the target monster that is Deontay Johnson is unavailable. So now we're talking about players who are 5,100 and 4,600 respectively who have decent shots at double-digit targets and could theoretically see a dozen or more here. Baltimore's defense, especially in the secondary, has been questionable this year. They're bottom 10 in the league in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed, and they lean towards being a pass funnel. So if Ben Roethlisberger can pull this one out, it'd be great, but I kind of think the ceiling of the whole offense is lowered with no Deontay Johnson. It absolutely is. It is. And, uh, oh, my God, Lulz said, uh, I'm almost certain Matt has draft a hall in that mug. That's not, that's a total Norm McDonald type joke right there. So nice work. Best comedian ever. I just finished this book. I had it laying around and I, you know, read it, read it. Great book too, man. Great book. Norm McDonald, one of the best, you know, it disappoints me about that, Matt. I had tickets hmm. to go see him in November oh. in times square uh, on Broadway. Kidding, sorry. Man. and. Yeah, he died right before that. Can you imagine he was still doing shows, though, and nobody knew that he was even sick? What a baller. Ah, gone too soon. I'm, so, I'm sorry you didn't get to see it. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. Every, everyone who hasn't, everyone who only knows him from Weekend Update, because that's like my least favorite aspect of Norm MacDonald, needs to go watch his old shows. They'll thank me for it later. Uh his old stuff is stand up. Some people just don't get him though, right? They didn't get him. That's okay. I get it. They'd rather watch a guy with like puppets on stage or something like that. And you know, that's fine too, but not me. I appreciate talent. Anyway, I'm with you though, Matt, when it comes to Deontay Johnson, like him, if he's out, this, this gets ugly, but I, I will say one thing. If you're looking for actual, if you're looking for actual value and you're, Maybe you're playing Taylor and some other high-priced guys. Ray Ray McLeod might be the guy, especially if Deontay Johnson's out. I mean, he has 18 targets over his last two games, and he has eight-plus targets in three of his last four. So if if McLeod, who is close to minimum salary, uh, is going to get another boost with Deontay Johnson, presumably out because he just landed on the COVID-19 list recently, then I actually don't think that's the craziest idea, even if it's just from a PPR standpoint. Sure, on a full PPR platform, a player like McLeod is even more interesting because he's running short area targets. Honestly, I was doing a little bit of research, and it kind of looks like McLeod has the juju role right now, at least for the, the rest of this season in the slot. And they're moving him all around the formation. You're talking about a player who's playing 65% of snaps as of last week, and he had five red zone targets. So if you're a slot player with a low average depth of target, like Ray Ray McLeod is, you better be getting tons of target volume and red zone looks. And as of late, he's gotten both. So at 3,800, I think he could be a, a really, really interesting play. 
I'm interested to see if this comes up with Deontay Johnson ruled out, but we only had him in 1.6% of the optimal lineups in our latest simulations. I think that easily could get up to 10% uh, as people realize the situation changing here. No doubt. Now with Baltimore, Lamar Jackson still isn't practicing. I I don't think he plays. I, I don't know. I said that last week and he didn't play. Remember they said he had a, pronounced limp when he was trying to practice on Wednesday. Now he's not even trying to practice on a Wednesday. I don't know. Like he, he's going to have to get in a practice today or tomorrow and look semi-decent if he has any shot of playing at this rate. So I, I don't know, Matt. I mean, if, if Lamar Jackson, and, and another thing too is they're what five and a half point favorites. Yeah. Baltimore is still a five and a half point favorite. So the line would suggest that he is playing, but if he's not practicing, what am I supposed to take away from that? Yeah, and honestly, does the line change? The line doesn't flip if Lamar Jackson is ruled out. Am I correct here? Like, it's still Baltimore favor, but probably it's just the home field advantage that they would be getting. Yeah, I would say three like three. Yeah. yeah, that's how I feel as well. Huntley, from a fantasy perspective, has been fine. And Baltimore would relish in playing spoiler to Pittsburgh's season and to Roethlisberger's career as well. But, you know, you would prefer Lamar Jackson to play if you're going to Mark Andrews or Marquise Brown. Actually, I don't know at this point with Mark Andrews. He seems just about quarterback proof if, you know, he didn't have a great game last week. But the second half of the season has just been absolutely unreal for him. I don't know with this team. I, I think the front office of Baltimore is one of the savvy front offices who might say like, hey, if you are at all not 100%, you're not playing at this point because we'd rather have the 12th pick or the 13th pick than the 16th pick, which is where they're currently at right now in the NFL draft. They have a stupendous roster coming in for 2022. They just need to get right overall so that they can make a run and be much healthier next season. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. We got over 200 watching right now for the marathon matchup show. I mean, this is exciting stuff. Everyone wants to be here as we close the season out. Uh, and hey, if you already did sign up at Prize Picks, I meant to mention this earlier, just to throw this out there. Uh, we only have two days left for these promos, but uh, Jordan, if you want to throw that up on the screen, 2022 gets you 22 days for $20. Everything on the site, Awesome Plus, ownership, player projections, top stack tool, boom, bust tool, lineup builder. Uh, you can get the Fantasy Cruncher add-on if you want. All of our premium articles, all of our uh, advanced stats, you name it, free. No, I'm sorry, not free. 22 days worth for $20 using the promo code 2020 or 2022, sorry, or happy 22. We'll get you 20% off everything for the entire year, a whole year. It's an investment, but it's a good one. And many people do it. 20, uh, happy 22 gets you 25, 20% uh, off everything on the site. For the year, Awesomeo Plus Platinum Annual. You don't even have to type these promos in. If you go to awesomeo.com slash promos, you can just click on whichever one you want. So check that out if you want to uh, join us. And be sure to join our premium Discord when you do. Uh, hop in the channels, great community. And of course, the office hours where you got the pros helping you fine-tune your game and become a better player as well. All right, where are we at, Matt? Did you want anything else for Baltimore? Uh, let's talk about Rashad Bateman. You know, he has enough usage where in a GPP, I'll play him. He's 4,900. His projection comes in ahead of that. He is the one, he's the only one of the big three right now. And again, this could change going into Sunday who have, a, who has a projection ahead of salary based expectations. 
Pittsburgh de- Pittsburgh's defense looked good last week, but they're still just league average in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. Washington and New York Giants, 38-point total. This is what you meant when you said Tennessee-Houston's 43 totals, actually, you know, somewhat decent. 38 points, truly atrocious. And now you've got the Washington football team who should get Antonio Gibson back. This is a guy who generally would not practice or was limited in practice uh, midway through the week with a bunch of ailments or whatever. So I'm assuming he's fine. They activated him from the COVID-19 list. Um, Do we still have his ownership way up there? Last I looked, we Mm. did. Yeah, we do. Yeah, he's up there. He's up there. All right. I mean, he's the one guy outside of this. If you wanted to take a look at maybe Bates because tight end is horrible outside of the top guys. I get that. But how much faith can we put in a Terry McLaurin right now? It's it's kind of tough to like any of these pass catchers. So I'll let you break this down. But I think we have to start with Antonio Gibson uh, as a touchdown road favorite against the Giants, who are not only beleaguered, but have essentially given up on the year. Actually, this is the closest thing we have to the free square. I'm going to counter the people who are saying it's P. Ryan and say Gibson right now. At 5,800 on DraftKings, the 22nd highest salary running back, we have him projected inside the top five right now. And that's a lot to do with the matchup, right? The Giants are a terrible defense and a terrible team. David Montgomery absolutely steamrolled them. And it's not like Chicago's offensive line are world beaters. So I think Antonio Gibson, who could easily see 17 to 22 total opportunities this week, looks like a really solid play as a road favorite. You can play Terry McLaurin, but I don't think you need to. Wide receiver 16 in salary is still too rich for my blood, 6,200. And you're talking about a player who, in this offense, I know the quarterback situation has been in flux, but... 9.6 expected DraftKings fantasy points per game over the last six weeks. First of all, that's egregious under usage for Terry McLaurin, but it's not enough usage on this bad team and this bad total. I can't believe 38 points is the second lowest total game. Come on. I I just can't do it. Uh, If you want to play him in a large field tournament or or go to someone like like Adam Humphreys, who's on the field a lot, or Jared Patterson, because you think Antonio Gibson isn't right yet, if you're trying to win the millionaire maker, sure, go for it. But other than that, it's just Gibson for me. Me too. Uh, Tony says, I wouldn't bank on Gibson getting a ton of carries. Look, here's the truth, man. You could be right, but I think there's a million other players we could say that about this week. It's just, you're, there's never going to be 100% certainty with anything like that. Uh, it will be interesting to see what the props look like uh, in terms of carries. I don't think, yeah, we don't have anything on that yet. Uh, particularly for this game. But yeah, I mean, you might see Gibson with a 16 and a half uh, attempt prop. Who knows? But yeah, he's the only guy for me. And on the other side, Jake Fromm is starting, expected to start. This is, I mean, this team, man, from injuries to the the receiving core all year to just injuries to the quarterbacks to being completely inept most of the time offensively. It has been a dreadful season for them. They have a 15 and a half point implied total. The only thing I will say, and and, and listen, I'm not saying you have to get to Saquon Barkley here. I, I don't think you do have to. But if you're playing a lot of lineups, he's probably someone you want a little bit of because Washington still is not particularly good either. And Barkley had 21 carries last week. They lost 29 to three. Uh, and he clearly doesn't need to be on the field at this point, but he still was. And they still force fed him the rock. Um, 
if that is the case, and granted, he played 54% of snaps, but he touched the ball. He, he, had, he played 30 snaps uh, and, had, and was targeted or had a carry on 22 of 30. So he, for however long he's out there, he's probably going to touch the ball. That's the only real silver lining or redeeming quality of this team right now is that they're probably just going to run it to avoid God, Jake Fromm throwing four interceptions in the first half. I think that's the right way of looking at this. And you know what? As you said, that prize picks take on Saquon Barkley, and we're kind of bringing it back up here. I looked at his numbers, and you know what? The elusiveness is coming back for Saquon. It's not top five like we've seen when he's healthy, but innovative tackles per touch. He's top 20 in the NFL at a 28.6% clip. In total evaded tackles, despite the absences and the pretty poor showing in the middle of the season, he's top 25 at the position. Same thing with yards created per touch. So I like to see that elusiveness elusiveness coming back. And then that translates to solid production. He's over 100 total yards for the first time since week four. So he turns a corner at a very strange time in the Giants season, but you also catch them in a time where they're probably... Uh, dare I say, running the, the clock out on their year. So it's 6,100 and only 3.5% expected ownership. I think that actually comes up by Sunday. I'll take some chances uh, in tournaments with Saquon Barkley for sure. That's it though, right? I mean, there's nothing else here. You can't go to this passing game, Matt. Forget it. Forget it. I mean, okay. <laughs> million dollars with Fromm and Kadarius Tony or, or, or Galladay who, who, you know, no catches last week. Good for you. Good for you. And whenever you speak with brevity on a team, you know, you know it's bad. <laughs> what? I'm verbose? Are you kidding? Whatever. <laughs> I'm not saying you're verbose. What I'm saying is you're generally willing to find something that could be of value, right, for large field tournaments, which is a good thing. That's why people like this show. But when you just come out cut and dry, forget about it, I want nothing, I'm, all I'm saying, that tells you all you need to know, right? I think that's a fair analysis. I think that's definitely fair. One of, one of my goals every single DFS week is to not have anybody who blows up surprise me. I want to have le at least gone through the thought process of how do they hit and decided yes or no that, that they will or they won't. You know, I'll take some L's, but if they come out of nowhere, like Christian Wilker Wilkerson was one, never heard of him, didn't know who he was, not in, in a player pool. That stuff frustrates me. And so I try to dig that stuff up for you guys as well. Yeah. Uh, the optimal lineup percentage for, I'm just scrolling down to the Giants here. Oh, boy. Okay. So, yeah, there isn't a single one of them over 1% outside of Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley has a, a slight positive leverage score, and that's it. So, yeah, I think we're on the right page here. We're, we're going to be on the right side of history, Matt. Don't you worry. Let's talk about Cincinnati and Cleveland. Since he no Joe Burrow, he's not going to play. So Brandon Allen expected to start. Mixon's on the COVID-19 list, too. Uh, he's not expected to play. I don't know what's going on with the rest of the starters, but they are six-point dogs here with Baker Mayfield on the IR on the other side. Hell, I don't know if that, I don't know if that makes it. Maybe if Baker Mayfield played, uh, the Bengals would be only three-point dogs. But uh, somebody mentioned earlier that, that Pirine is a free square. I, I'm not necessarily sure I agree with that. I think he's fine. 
but I wouldn't just lock him in as a free square here because they are they have a very low total. They're they're, they're touchdown dogs. I mentioned all of this before. Uh, and you know, they have a backup quarterback. Cleveland's defense is at least serviceable. I, I don't know if this is as much of a smash spot as you'd think, especially given that P Ryan's already a guy that gets, you know, a relatively decent amount of work. He's in the offense. I wouldn't even be shocked if they ended up going to uh to like Chris Evans here as a guy that gets a lot of the work. So a little bit concerning to me. I completely understand. And Clown in 01 in chat, he makes a, he makes a case for uh, P. Ryan basically with lower salary, having a backup quarterback, essentially the same thing as Saquon Barkley. And so I do think from a volume standpoint, P. Ryan is going to look fine here. But these are both super, super low total games. The probability of this game, Brandon Allen versus Case Keenum, being a shootout where someone produces a have-to-have-it score, th- there is a probability above 0% simply because Jamar Chase and T. Higgins might be on the field, right? There are a niche up as well. There aren't really any other players outside of those three who are really capable of producing have-to-have-it millionaire maker scores. I just don't see it with P. Ryan here. If he gets 25 touches and suddenly he's cracking off five to six yards per touch, yeah, obviously we'll have to say, you know, I'll eat my words here. I just think that in this game, where I don't expect a lot of points needed to win here, I think we're taking a lot of empty carries. And like you said, Lafay, there's still a possibility that Chris Evans works in in the passing game or at the goal line. You know, we talk about quality opportunities; those are targets and uh, rushes inside the 10-yard line. Do we really have a guarantee that P. Ryan is getting those quality opportunities on this team that doesn't expect to be scoring a lot? Right. I don't think so. And that, that's why I, I get the argument of someone saying P Ryan's a better play than Barkley. Barkley has from, I get it. My whole point was that Barkley and, and Booker had 38 combined carries last game. And it feels like the giants are going to run out the clock by running the ball, uh, run out the clock in the season, as Matt said, by running the ball. So yeah. Are these going to be highly efficient carries? Probably not. But if Barkley, if, if you're looking at this as a game where he could have another 20 carries uh that that was that was the whole the whole point here but um look i don't think you need to play either of them if, if i'm being completely honest with you i think you I think can that's play what clowning th- just said in chat actually he was like well we're right about one thing they're gonna help us not win any money <laughs> right exactly right right like i don't even think we need to continue we, you, i don't think you need to play p ryan or barkley but if but again if you want to both of them are fine they're they're fine they're not like we talked about uh, Ogun Bawali earlier. Is he fine? Yeah, he's okay. But none of these guys are priorities. Totally. We're talking about range of outcomes here. We're talking about players who could hit in a tournament sense, not players you must play. We'll always talk about those in a different light. Yep. I mean, Cincinnati in general is a pretty unappealing team this week. I, I think that's fair to say. Hey, look, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are awesome players in bad situations this week. We've seen awesome players in bad situations overcome worse. Is it likely? You know, it's not likely at all, especially at their high salaries. And on the other side, Baker Mayfield hits the IR. Again, it's kind of unimportant news at this point. But Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and Dearness Johnson are all questionable right now. Hunt with that ankle was expected to play, didn't play. Nick Chubb's got chest and ribs injury. Uh, He got banged up, saw limited work last game as a result. And then Dearness Johnson's on the COVID-19 list. So uh, 
yeah, that's that's rough, man. I, and, and no, we're not missing that. It's he it, it can only fit so many things on the sidebar. Oh. Matt, it, yeah, you gotcha. can only fit. Right, good six. Yeah. yeah, we're good. Right, Jordan, you have it on there. You just scroll up. Yeah. Uh, so with Cleveland, I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see what happens at running back. Because this could, you want to talk about free squares, I'm telling you right now, this could end up being your free square if two of three running backs end up being ruled out. Like if if Mayfield, or I'm sorry, if 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 Chubb doesn't play because they're eliminated and, and Hunt remains out because what's the point? And Darrenis Johnson ends up getting activated uh, and plays, that would be huge, right? He, he was vaccinated. so Or if they're all out and like Demetric Felton at minimum salary, gets that work. They like to run the football. This will be a situation I'm paying very close attention to, Matt, given that they're already six-point favorites at home with uh, without Baker Mayfield. Yeah, actually, that makes sense. If all three are out and Demetric Felton somehow becomes the min-price hey, square, that I've seen weirder things, especially the last week of the regular season. Dernis Johnson would actually be more appealing just from a talent standpoint and a situation standpoint if he's able to get activated. He's 4,800, 40th among running backs on the slate. And you know what's interesting? Even before the whole saga where they said Nick Chubb wasn't injured and then it definitely turns out he was injured, there was a play in the first half against the Steelers where he broke through the hole and tried to cut outside. And... There was this moment. I'm not. I'm not a grade A film watcher. I leave that to people who are excellent at this, and then I I twist the numbers from there. But I saw Nick Chubb run, and I go, "That man is not right. He is no, not he near wasn't. full speed. He usually gets to the edge, and he's breaking off a huge run in this play. And he he simply didn't beat the linebacker. And you know, it's a nice 12 or so yard gain, but just very different than I'm used to seeing. And then, sure enough. It turns out he's got a rib. Uh, I think he's nicked up in more ways than one. His projection compared to salary-based expectation is fine here. But honestly, I don't think it's in the Browns' best interest to play either of these two main backs. I'll take some chances at Dernis Johnson, and I'll also look at Jarvis Landry as well. Yeah, that's where I'm at too. I think Landry's fine, but I really want to see where this backfield, where the dust settles on this backfield coming into uh into sunday so that's what i what do you got there what, what are we doing there i got a i got a sound on my ear pods that they are going out so i'm going to make sure that i've got a backup pair of headphones so you don't lose me here. oh all right all right <laughs> i like i wasn't sure i wasn't Always sure it was new tech right it looked like some uh drug smoking paraphernalia bag that's, <laughs> that what, I, that's what i thought it was wow it's just like right rip in the one middle right on uh, stream uh, yeah. uh, what was the air yards bong rip guy? Where's where's him when you need him? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, so pay attention to Cleveland. This could be a spot that that opens a lot of things up uh, throughout the day. It could be could be or throughout the week. Could get interesting, boys. Could get interesting. Seattle, Arizona. We get through the 1 p.m. games onto the 4 p.m. games, Matt. Highest total on the slate, believe it or not, by a wide margin at 48 points. Seattle, 60, uh, six and a half point dogs to Arizona. I mean, the last week, Alex Bay Osimo just won the Millie with a all-out Seattle onslaught, including Wilson, Lockett, Metcalf, and Rashad Penny. It was crazy. They dropped 50-plus on Detroit, but they come into this uh, touchdown-plus dogs on the road against an Arizona team that just quite possibly maybe got off the schneid last week against Dallas. 
Uh, yeah, really great to see Seattle play that way. We were finally waiting for it. And of course, boss man cashes in in such a huge way. And interestingly enough, Russell Wilson gets there. Lockett, to an extent, Metcalf has a huge game, and Rashad Penny. So that's really cool there. Totally understand why we're seeing such a high total in this game. And with Arizona, I mean, I don't know. I still think they're finding their identity offensively without DeAndre Hopkins, but at least they have the weaponry going into this playoffs run where I feel like they might have to continue to experiment offensively so that this game actually hits or maybe it exceeds its total. Maybe this is one of those weeks where we're just like leaning on the couple of high total games and just ignoring everything else. There are some seriously good weapons in this matchup on both sides. So who do you like most for Seattle? I actually think I want to go back to the well with Rashad Penny. Me too, man. And, uh, I mean, over six yards of carry multiple weeks in a row. Uh, I know the guy's been injury prone, but at a certain point at 6,500, you're you're able to outperform that, especially in this high total game. I know the game script may not be perfect. 20.5 implied points for an underdog is still really, really good on the slate. Both Metcalf and Lockett have projections right in line with salary-based expectations. They're in the you-can-play-them range, but Arizona has been fairly good defensively right in line with league average so it doesn't nothing jumps off the page other than the fact that we finally saw them hit so it's not point chasing but it doesn't it doesn't look like a must play either for the passing game penny's played exceptionally well lately and you got i'm kind of happy for the guy one because i've kept him around on dynasty teams that i've had for years on end uh and two because I mean, this is a dude who's on the last season of his rookie contract. He could not stay healthy. Maybe he will, but he looks good. Remember, Matt, this is a guy that they drafted in the first round and people gasped as it happened. You know, sure, it was the end of the first round, but he was not projected to go where he did and, and looked like a bust. Well, I don't know. Maybe by those standards, he still is. But who knows? He doesn't have a lot of mileage on him. I'll tell you that much. I like Rashad Penny this week. I wish he was a little bit more involved in the passing game. That would be nice. But all in all, you know, you get another 20 plus touches from him, especially given how efficient he's been. I can get on board with it. I absolutely can. Now on the Arizona side, James Conner was this Arizona has been so weird with injury reporting and all the speculation that we've seen, whether it's around Hopkins before and Murray and then Connor, who they're optimistic that he'll play. He's going to be out there, and then he's inactive. I really don't know what to think. So him and Edmonds are both questionable for this one. Could it be an Edo Benjamin game? Probably not, but another backfield that we have to monitor. If both Connor and Edmonds are in, I don't really want anything to do with either of them. But if Connor sits again, Edmonds uh, for the third straight week becomes a guy that we have to feel pretty good about. Yep, 5,800, running back 22 in salary. And so you got to say Chase Edmonds at that point, who, you know, has been better in the receiving game, but not not nearly as good as Connor at the goal line, would become a pretty good option here. I mean, at 5,800 and you're comparing Chase Edmonds, who is a uh, top running back on a top total game, and he's on a home favorite, at the same salary as Saquon Barkley. Okay, maybe you got a point uh, about uh, us completely fading Barkley clowning uh, because Chase Edmonds would be a significantly better play. Oh, um, yeah. 
Yeah, significantly. I actually think that A.J. Green is a solid tournament option here. We've seen Christian Kirk lead the team in targets one week. We've seen Zach Ertz lead the team in targets all in these weeks since DeAndre Hopkins was sidelined for the year. A.J. Green's usage has been a little bit more volatile, but he's still at basically double-digit expected fantasy points per game over the last six weeks, 5,400, and Seattle, not that great in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed below average bottom 10 actually in uh, against opposing offenses. Hey, clown. And thanks for the super chat, man. Appreciate you. So how much do you want to do with this Arizona passing game going into week 18? Uh, let me also point out, Matt, before we do this, that uh, Arizona has clinched a playoff berth, right? But they will clinch the NFC West division title with a win and a Rams loss. And I want to be clear about something here. This is not by any stretch out of reach because the San Francisco 49ers are also playing for a uh, for a playoff spot and they clinch with a win or a tie or a New Orleans loss or a tie, but both teams play in the four o'clock slate of games. So huge game for San Francisco arguably bigger than it is for the Rams who are already going to be in the playoffs, even if they don't happen to win their division. Yeah. I think, I think what we end up seeing with these NFC West teams is they all play their hardest and they all play their starters, uh, which is great because they're, well, if the starters are available due to injury, uh, which is great because I do feel like this game has a pretty solid probability of hitting its total uh, and it is the highest total game on the slate. That's a really good combination. And the fact that the San Francisco LA game is at the same time, uh, it just it adds to the probability that Arizona has no choice but to go all out in this matchup. Top options from Arizona for you, Matt? Sorry. Uh, I do think we're going to go with Chase Edmonds. If it's a free square, James Conner is not out of the question if it's both of them, though, even though the salary is high at running back 13. After that, probably Zach Ertz, 5,300, and A.J. Green at 5,400. I like Ertz a lot this week at a kind of shallow position. One more thing. Justin Fields was just placed on the COVID-19 list, so uh, he's almost certainly going to sit. I'll go back to Darnell Mooney. I think it benefits Montgomery from a pass-catching standpoint. Uh, I think this is objectively a good thing for guys like Mooney and David Montgomery. So uh, I'm back to where I was Tuesday and Wednesday. I think Mooney's perfectly solid, could get peppered with targets, and then David Montgomery in the passing game benefits even more. Absolutely. I'm glad we talked about the hypothetical because now it comes to fruition. Yep. This is why we're verbose on this show. Exactly. We leave no stone unturned around here, Matt. That's the way it's got to be done. All right, next one. It's San Francisco. It's the Rams. Uh, and, and by the way, I did mention it earlier, but for those of you guys tuning in late, uh, NBA ownership rankings and NHL player projections are free today on the site. And if you want to get 22 free, uh, 22 days of Awesome o Plus Platinum for 20 bucks, use the promo code 2022. Or Happy 22 gets you 20% off the entire year. Just go to awesomeocom slash promos. You do not need to type it in. All you have to do is click next to the one you want, uh, and we'll get you in on that and join the Discord as well. San Francisco, four-and-a-half-point dogs against the Rams, 44-and-a-half-point total. This is a fun game. Rams can clinch the division, right, with a win, and Niners only need a win to get in. Now, they can get in otherwise. You know, the Saints could lose. I just gave you everything. 
but mm-hmm. you're trying to win, right? You know, you don't want your fate to be in anyone else's control at this point. So Jimmy Garoppolo turning into limited practice, he's questionable, missed last week. Trey Lance started. And Eli Mitchell's questionable now. That one's crazy because I don't know if they're just limiting limiting him based on his return last week. But man, it's pretty obvious that Kyle Shanahan is completely bought into this guy. No matter how many times he has missed games uh, or left early, every time he returns, nobody has supplanted him as the number one in this backfield. Uh, 21 carries in his return, Matt. It's just Mitchell's the guy if he's out there. Yes, sir. And I know it's not the prettiest matchup at this point. You know, they could be coming. I actually think that this this game has the highest probability of going over its total. And I think that they could get behind early. And that would mean that the game script naturally moves away from the running backs. But I don't think Kyle Shanahan is moving away from Eli Mitchell. They'll just use him in the passing game. Now, he's been absent for a lot of these weeks. But over the last six weeks in the NFL, in the games that he's played, Eli Mitchell has a staggering 20.7 expected DraftKings fantasy points per game. That's number two among all running backs. So now we're talking about a player who's going to be between three and 5% owned on a game with a high total uh, with a quarterback coming back in Jimmy Garoppolo who likes to dump the ball down. I know he's playing on a team with Debo Samuel and George Kittle, and and those players theoretically have higher ceilings. But, man, I I really like Eli Mitchell at running back 17, 6,000 on DraftKings. Me too. If Garoppolo starts, what do you make of uh, Debo Samuel or George Kittle? Their salaries are really high. No doubt about it. 6,700. That's it's going to be tough. You, you got player. You got a player on the other side that you're probably prioritizing salary wise. Wide three. Wide receiver three. Excuse me for Debo Samuel is really really steep. We have him projected inside the top ten at the position, but not the top five. He's in the optimal lineup. You know, one to three percent of the time. Uh, but I will say his ownership does look like it's being tamped down because of that high salary. It does look like one of those pay up to be contrarian spots. The Rams are not unbeatable in the secondary by any means. They're just league average in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. And they actually lean a little bit towards being a run funnel, excuse me, a pass funnel. Do you like Trey Lance if he starts? I like Trey Lance as a fantasy player because he throws deeper uh, on average than Jimmy Garoppolo and he runs more per on a per play basis. So those are two fundamentals that I want to lean on whenever it's the same overall offensive scheme. I kind of feel like the LA defense coaxes Lance into more turnovers with there being slightly more upside for the, for the skill players. So it's kind of a wash between Lance and Garoppolo. Uh, for the skill players, Lance is a better fantasy asset if he starts. So if you look at the Rams, I mentioned earlier in the day or in the show that we would talk about this when we get there. Cooper Cup, uh, truly remarkable season. Everything, about, not again, not enough superlatives. I've said it a million times to describe how good this guy has been all year. He has 95 plus yards in all but uh, two. Sorry, no, 92 plus yards in all but one game this season. That is nuts. I mean, he's at 1,829 yards, 15 touchdowns, 138 receptions, just truly insane. Uh, he could hit 150 receptions this week with 12 more, which would be, you know, his second highest 
total on the season. But still, but still, as much as I love this guy, I, I'm with Odd Shopper here and our projections on the prop. DraftKings has his prop, and and you can over at Odd Shopper, you can you don't have to search for the best prop. We'll give it to you with the highest expected ROI. You can just sort by that. You can sort by expected win rate. Uh, and since we aggregate all the props from every book that's available to you, we tell you where the best one is to bet, where the best line is, uh, where the one has the, the least amount of juice. DraftKings has him at 126 and a half receiving yards. That even the oh that that is that is a lot of receiving yards. We have the under with a 68% expected win rate, 27% XROI. Uh, I will be hitting the under here. Now, this doesn't mean that I don't like Cooper Cup, Matt. It's not the case. It just means that, and you have to consider this, 126 and a half receiving yards as a prop is a lot of yards for anybody. There's a lot of ways it goes right for Cooper Cup, and he has a great fantasy day. And he doesn't have 127 yards receiving. Sure. You can have two touchdowns and 10 targets, catching nine of them for 97 yards. And he's you're still thrilled that you had him in fantasy, but he's still coming up. It's a minus 34% ROI on the over right now. And, and you know, this is where, you know, it's, it's almost like uh, how people five or six years ago in the DFS industry used to harp on overlay hunting and make sure to get into tournaments where, you got the edge because of the people who aren't in this tournament. Well, now the, the the finding of edges is a little bit different because we have so many different ways to bet on these players, not just DFS. Take the under on the prop and play them in your cash games and tournaments. You can certainly do things like that while still believing in the player overall. And the matchup is superb. The San Francisco 49ers secondary looks decimated right now, injury-wise. And, you know, Odell Beckham... Could be a good uh, tournament option. It looks like Cam Akers might play here. So you can go away from Cooper Cup, but Stafford and Cup look like an amazing stack. They're top two in our stack value rankings. And Cup is, in my opinion, the best overall player on the slate. I love Cooper Cup this week. It's just 126 and a half yards is a lot of yards uh, to project. That's all. That's all. Look, our tools love him too. Mm -hmm. Our tools love him too, but it's our same projections that have him uh, as a heavy under bet on that prop as well. So it makes sense to me. Now, what about Sonny Michelle coming into this one with obviously Daryl Henderson on the IR? Cam Akers was activated from the IR, full participant. Uh, it looks like he probably gets in a little bit of work this week. I'm assuming he does. I think he'll be, you know, very limited in his return from an, a ruptured Achilles, which he suffered less than six really it was five and a half months ago a amazing recovery time congratulations to him that's impressive but I, I really like if you're looking at Sonny Michelle I don't see Akers eating much into that workload in week 18 at least I think that's fair they always talked about Akers coming back for a potential playoff run here we are maybe he gets a few snaps a few touches to just get his feet under him that makes sense to me but still, we're projecting Sony Michelle to get a bulk of the workload here. And we're basically seeing his RB17, $6,000 salary on DraftKings as a bargain. So we'll take that. Michelle had 24 total opportunities last week. That's after 31 total opportunities the week before, 20 and 21 in the weeks before that. 
that's enough usage on a high total game, especially one where they're favored to really like Sony Michelle, even though his expected uh, DraftKings fantasy points sits at just running back 10. But it's, it's still value compared to salary. So uh, I'll absolutely play him this week for sure. Do you like any secondary options here? Odell Beckham, Van Jefferson, Tyler Higby. I'll play Odell. I don't like his salary as much as I did earlier. 5,800 people are kind of wising up to the situation where he's clearly being looked at in the red zone. Uh, I guess if you're looking at projection compared to salary, our favor is Tyler Higby at 4,000, but I still think that's a low probability play. We're talking about, you know, maybe a seven to 10 chance percent chance of being in the optimal lineup. All right. Carolina, Tampa Bay. 85 likes. We have 15 to 100. 15 to go before we hit 100. If you haven't done it yet, it just takes a second. If you're on your phone, close out of the chat. Tap that thumbs up. Helps us greatly. And subscribe to the channel, too, if you want to be, you know, be part of the awesome family around this way. Carolina, Tampa Bay. And this Carolina team is just, at, at this point, I mean, they're cooked. Eight-point dogs, 41.5-point total. I don't know what we're supposed to make of them at this point, Matt. I, I can say this much though. And they got out to an early start, looked decent against New Orleans, and then finished with 10 points, just completely uh collapsed upon themselves. DJ Moore, as much as we want to just keep going back to DJ Moore, it's been a constant struggle for this guy. The upside, the ceiling games have not been there. And they can't score points. So yes, Tampa Bay's a pass funnel defense. I get it. I don't know how they're going to run their starters this week. I don't know what that's going to look like, but all in all, I mean, how much faith at this rate can you put in into Carolina anywhere, even with DJ Moore? I mean, I have no faith and I'm still going to be taking shots in tournaments because I can't learn a lesson. Our tools say that our tools say that Sam Darnold, Cuba Hubbard, if he plays DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, they're all values compared to their salaries. I don't know if any of them are going to hit. I know why they're popping. The volume is there. The matchup is good. In terms of schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed, it's the Buccaneers and it's the Bengals, and those two teams are by far the worst of the potential playoff teams in that metric. And like you said, they're a pass funnel. So from the, the fundamentals, the way I analyze a matchup, Carolina looks decent. Do I think it's going to happen? I mean, no. I, I've been watching football for the last 17 weeks. I know what this offense looks like. I hear you. And Moore does get the targets. I know Ben talked about that on Tuesday, too. Like, the targets are there. I, I get all of that. And I understand some of these guys being values at their salaries. DJ Moore is reasonably priced. They're a bad offense, though, man. I mean, they are. They're really bad. So... I don't know. The Jets Chuba Hubbard, real quickly, I, I think if I'm going anywhere, it would be back to DJ Moore. With Chuba Hubbard, I, I just have some serious concerns because I, I have a tough time believing that they're going to be able to get anything going on the ground. Yeah, he had 17 carries last week, but that was uh, against uh, you know almost equally anemic New Orleans offense. That was ugly in general. And then Amir Abdullah has been getting a lot of the pass catching work with six or four plus targets now in five straight games. So ultimately, uh, if he's taking pass catching work away from Chuba Hubbard, that just makes him a whole lot less enticing to me. So it's really just DJ Moore for me. Uh, 
and I guess maybe Robbie Anderson, but I, I probably don't find myself getting that. It's it's too painful at this point. You're right. I, and I mean, four targets a game for any any running back, if you're getting something like six to ten opportunities, even in a, an average offense, Cordero Patterson, that was his stat line when he was hitting. Obviously, you need to be efficient, but he needs so much to go right. We're talking about Amir Abdullah now, even at 4,700. I get it if you're talking about a large field tournament, but yeah, it's just DJ Moore who... You know, we actually still haven't projected inside the top 10 wide receivers. I think that's a little overly bullish, but at wide receiver 21, 5,800 on DraftKings, an obvious value. Yeah, and I'm not saying I like Abdullah. I was saying I don't like what he does to Chuba Hubbard, to be clear. Okay, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Tampa Bay, Ronald Jones is in a walking boot, so that's not great for uh, his prospects heading into week 18. Keyshawn Vaughn was on the injury report, but he's put in a full practice yesterday. It's very possible that it could be a Keyshawn Vaughn game with Leonard Fournette still on the injured reserve. Um, Le'Veon Bell got a little bit of work, but yeah, you could see Vaughn getting a lot of opportunity here. But uh, ultimately, how much do we expect the starters to play from Brady to Evans if he's healthy uh, to Rob Gronkowski, who I think needs seven receptions for some type of monetary incentive? What are you thinking here? I'm in on Gronk. I'm in on Evans. I will be in on the starting running back. I just realized that Le'Veon Bell is going to outscore Antonio Brown in the final weeks of this uh, Tampa Bay season amazing, postseason here, which um, if you had told me that at the beginning of the season is not something I would have believed. Um, but I definitely am going to this passing attack against a Carolina defense that is well below average against wide receivers. Uh, I think you got a concentrated offense. And while the fact that you have no Brown and no Godwin, it lowers the overall fantasy potential of the passing game. We're still talking about a Tom Brady led offense that as far as we know right now is playing the full game. So I'll take the free square running back if it exists in Kashawn Vaughn, but I'm happy to go to Rob Gronkowski, who we actually have as the top projected tight end on the slate at 71, excuse me, at 6,300 on DraftKings. 15.1 15.1 expected DraftKings fantasy points per game, right in line with uh, with expected points uh, in terms of over or under expectation. Gronkowski's had a breakout year, or not breakout, a, a turn back the clock year, I should say. Yes, yes, yes. A resurgence, so to speak. Yes. He looks good, man. With no Antonio Brown, no Chris Godwin. I think you can look there. Someone asked about uh, Cyril Grayson. Yeah, look, that's not the craziest idea. I mean, it really all depends on on who it's going to be getting uh, the snaps and running the routes because there are a bunch of kind of auxiliary options in this passing game. And Tom Brady throws to so many different players. But yeah, Perryman played only 15% of snaps. Scott Miller didn't play at all last game, 0% of snaps. Uh, You had Grayson on the field for 64%. uh, And that was with Antonio Brown playing 35%. Yeah, it's not the craziest idea. Him and Tyler Johnson both played uh, a decent amount. I don't think Grayson's a crazy idea at all. Six, he had eight targets. Uh, he found the end zone. I mean, sure, that's a one-game sample. But if he's running routes, which he was, a lot of them, he's on the field for over a third of snaps. There's no Antonio Brown. There's no Godwin. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think that's perfectly fine, especially if you're looking to stack the Bucks and you don't want to pay a premium on all of these pass catchers, that's one way to make it work, sure. 
100%. My, I really like three 5K and under options, and you mentioned two of them there. Le'Veon Bell at 5K, and Tyler Johnson and Cyril Grayson. Uh, 4,200 for Johnson, 4,400 for Grayson. Great low salary access to this uh, high-profile high offense. Kind of an interesting team. Pay attention to what, what's going to happen with, with the Bucks. That's why we got shows coming up, too. You know, we got the strategy show tomorrow. We got on the contrary. Uh, we got it Saturday. We got Sunday. The full all culminates, right, for a four-and-a-half-hour show leading up to, to 1 p.m. kickoff. Oh, and don't forget, tomorrow, Neil Orfield, Millie Maker winner and uh, showdown extraordinaire, he will be on with me when we break down at 3 p.m. the Saturday slate, two-game slate. Chiefs, Broncos, Eagles, Cowboys should be fun. They're probably going to throw a milli out at somebody or who, I don't know. It's going to be a lot again, uh, but I love those two game slates. We'll be breaking that one down for Saturday. So uh, nowhere else to go. If you're looking for content, we got all, we got you covered for everything right here. Anything else for Tampa, Matt? I think we covered it. We can move on. All right, then move on. We shall New York jets, Buffalo jets, 16 and a half point favorites. They have a lot of, of, of question marks heading into this week. Michael Carter, Braxton Berrios, Elijah Mitchell, uh, Jamison Crowder, all of them are, are questionable Sunday at Buffalo. So I, I don't really know how to proceed right now outside of this, right? They have a 12-and-a-half-point implied total, 12-and-a-half points. I'm not saying just entirely eliminate them from your player pool. Uh, I'll, I'll get to that, Jordan. We'll do it after this game. That's fine. I'm not saying entirely – eliminate them after the out of the player pool but i'm saying on a thursday where we have no idea what's going on and they have a 12 and a half point total against the bills uh, i i'm willing to not do too much analysis on them right now for the sake of wasting your time and mine especially if barrios sits and the running backs are healthier meaning that we have a running back timeshare I know Crowder is likely to come back this week. So now you've, you've got competition for Berrios in the slot as it is. I think you're right. I think crossing this team out of your player pool. If you want to play Zach Wilson, who at least has a low, excuse me, a, a low ceiling, but a high floor due to, the, due to the nature of his position, when you expect almost no one to go back to the well. I mean, this, this team did impress somewhat against Tampa Bay's defense last they did. week. I don't think that's the craziest thing, but we don't have projections for Wilson ahead of salary-based expectations at 5,200. Like, don't get it twisted. None of these players actually look good when you compare them to salary. Uh, it's a low total team with low value. I think the moving on conclusion is very reasonable. I'm going to be moving on. Well, you know, I'm not going to be moving anywhere. I'm going to be staying right where I am when it comes to Devin Singletary. Uh, I'll go right back to the well. With seven Devin Singletary, uh, I have zero hesitation going there. He is getting goal line work. He's getting red zone work. I've said it a lot, but yeah, you guys got to hear it. He played 80% of snaps again last week, and that was with Zach Moss active. Granted, I love Zach Moss not to be active, but uh, at, at this point, I'm not really sure how much that matters. Singletary is the guy. Finally, after the three years, it, it, it took him almost three years to realize that Look, Singletary is the best running back on this team. He's efficient. You know, he's averaging, what, 4.6 yards per attempt is not bad at all. He's a quality enough pass catcher. He's coming off a 23-carry game for 110 yards, two touchdowns. Look at this, man. This guy, Matt and I talked about this. We talked about this, Matt. Remember, we talked about uh, his 
just touchdown rate compared to carries mm -hmm. for his career. Yeah. And it was, what was it like 1.1% or something insane. And now he's got four rushing, four rushing touchdowns over his last three games. I love the emergence of Singletary. I love the newfound usage on the ground and through the air and in the red zone. I know he's going to get a little bit of ownership, but they're 16 and a half point favorites. I, I like him again this week and I'll keep going back there and hopefully keep being right about him. And he's still just 6K in salary. I know. It's, not, it's not like the salary has moved up. It probably means that people still aren't really willing to play him, even though the volume change has been dramatic. The touches over the last three weeks in this backfield, it's basically entirely Singletary's backfield at this point. Yep. 63 touches over the last three weeks for Singletary, nine for Zach Moss, one for Matt Breida. And at the goal line, while Josh Allen has scrambled for some touchdowns, he, you know, Singletary actually didn't run very hot in the first half of that game last week. It was Allen who was scoring on the ground. Still, Singletary's goal line usage has continued to be in an upward trend. I definitely, definitely will be getting to the passing game. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Dawson Knox, Gabriel Davis. Give me them all, especially that Allen Diggs stack. But Singletary is the most obvious value here. If you're talking about 5,800 for... Uh, Saquon Barkley, as we were earlier, or 6K for Devin Singletary. Easy decision. Easy, easy decision. Easy decision, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, and I'm uh, we got the digs with the, the incentives, too. Look, you want to go anywhere in this passing game as a stack, just go ahead and do it. There isn't really much analysis needed here. They have the highest top stack percentage in our top stack tool. Top stack probability, sorry, I should say, in our top stack tool. They amazingly still even have some positive leverage here, but they will be popular uh, if it's Singletary, if it's Allen. You know, I wouldn't even be shocked if, if you know, like what Alex did last week with that Seattle onslaught. Wouldn't even be shocking if it's a Buffalo onslaught with the with a passing stack and Singletary that ends up winning these tournaments. So, uh, I'm, I'm look, I'm not saying that's really the move to make, but it wouldn't shock me. They could put up huge point totals here. Uh, I think they're going to have the ball a lot, you know, all game, 29-point implied total. There's just nothing not to like about them. So uh, fire away at will. Keep an eye on Emmanuel Sanders. He might not play again. But aside from that, uh, yeah, no holds barred here. You just just play him. Just play him, Matt. That's all I yeah, got. Yeah, Cole Beasley, uh, I do want to mention, he is also looking like a really strong value at 4,800 especially on DraftKings. He's one of those players. I was on Sports Map Radio with uh, with Aton Shander, another one of our hosts here, and uh, he asked me off the cuff for a sleeper play. Cole Beasley, I, of, co of course, I didn't quite say Jamar Chase, but Cole Beasley was my pick, gets in the end zone last week, hopefully uh, does so again this week. Two games to go, and thank you for getting us over 100 likes. Knew we'd get there. Appreciate you guys. Before we do it, let's hit on Hall of Fame, induct a couple of our favorite friends into this one, and. Uh, Shout them out as we always do and give away some free months of Awesome Mode Plus Platinum because all you got to do is go to awesomemode.com slash avatar, download the avatar, use it on DraftKings, FanDuel, Yahoo, wherever you want. If you finish top three in a field of 5,000 or more, tweet us at awesomehof. Include Matt and myself in those because we enjoy seeing these wins. Get that love on Twitter. Get inducted into the Hall of Fame right here and also win a free month of Awesome Mode Plus Platinum, $90 value. And like I've said a million times, even if it's the quarter arcade or the nickel or whatever it is, even if your win is less than the value of the month of Awesome o Plus, 
if it's top three in a field of 5,000 or more, we got you. Or if you're just proud of a win and you hit a big one, even if it doesn't qualify, we'll throw you up here as well, just so uh, everyone can see it. Let's, we got to hit on Alex. We're keeping him up here all week. Million dollars, awesome himself, full out Seattle onslaught. One million dollars for the boss man, Alex Baker, and for Felix Castro, but he did it in best ball. I was so stoked to see this every time it makes me happy because I know that uh, oh, awesome. it's awesome, you know, and we put a lot of work into the fantasy football product this year and, and, and tried to make a push. So it, it makes me happy to see that somebody with, with the help of us and, and some other sharp people around the industry took down a million dollars. And that's great. Eric Link was, oh, how about that, dude? I didn't see that. I didn't know our boy E. Lindy took down 25K. Let's Hell go. Yeah. All right. Nice job, man. Let's go. That's fantastic. Congrats, man. Yeah, it's a great way to start off uh, 2022. Congrats to our boy Eric, who will be on some shows tonight. Short Gamer TV had an insane week. Almost 400K here. The day before that, it was like 120,000. Uh, just absolutely crushing. He says, I don't know what to say. Thank you guys so much. And then, oh, look at that. This one's fun. Tom JK321. You know who that is? Is that, uh, is that Tommy Kennedy? That is Tom Kennedy, CEO of Awesomeo. Uh, yeah, the 5K win. Tom, the thing is, Tom is a businessman now. Before when he was playing, he was taking down 100K, what felt like every other day. Uh, first place. And then our boy Dave DeRemmer in there in fifth place as well. Congrats, fellas. And to close it out, Dave DeRemmer uh, with another hefty night hitting those parlays. Congrats to you all. You're inducted into the Hall of Fame and get those free months. Pick them up at the window. No, seriously, just tweet us at Awesomeo, H-O-F and you'll get the free month. We'll hit you up. All right. My, uh, New England and New uh, Miami. I think this ends up being a fun, competitive game, even though Miami's eliminated. They always play this Miami or New England team tight. They always, for whatever purpose, and or try to uh, play spoiler here. But New England could actually clinch the number one seed. They have to win. Buffalo needs to lose. Kansas City needs to lose. Tennessee needs to lose. So they will not be getting the one seed. But if they get – so essentially the way I see this is they they're getting into the playoffs, right? But aside from that, that's it. Because they need Buffalo to lose if they're going to win their division. Not going to happen. Yeah, they're playing the Jets. Hey, I mean, the Jets were winning until what? 25 seconds left in the game last week? I know, so, you know. <laughs> but it's not going to happen. We know that. We know this. And, you know, New England has been impressive offensively in the sense that I didn't think that 40 to 50 points was in this team's range of outcomes, the way that they like to lean on the rush uh, rush attack in most games here. But they've got point totals of 54, 45 against Cleveland in Week 10, 50 last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I know Miami's, uh, Miami's defense is on no, no level like those bad defenses, but... Just the fact that that is in New England's range of outcomes means that I need to take more consideration to players like Mac Jones, like Damian Harris, if he's ever able to stay healthy for an entire game here. But if you're just looking at projections compared to salary, honestly, not a single player looks interesting until you get to Nelson Aguilar because he's 3,400. He didn't play last week, so he's out of sight, out of mind. Not even Hunter Henry at 4K looks like a, looks like a value compared to salary-based expectations. Jacoby Myers, okay. Uh, so even if this ends up being an entertaining matchup, we don't have any single player gaining enough of the production to look like a priority option. 
I'm with you. And this backfield, I know Damian Harris was banged up last game, but I, I said this coming into it. You really need one of him or Ramondre Stevenson not to be active uh, to feel good about them, especially with their price points coming up. Uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm on the same page. This is not a spot that I'm looking to get to. And as far as Miami goes, quite frankly, Matt, I'm not really enamored with them either. You know, Jalen Waddle has been very good. If, if you want to get to Jalen Waddle, I understand that. But we have 13 games on this slate. We have a lot of teams to choose from. I don't know if you need to get to this spot, be it Gasecki or, or Jalen Waddle or, or Tagovailoa, any of these guys really, particularly in the backfield as well, unless there's somebody that you see here that really stands out. It's a tough matchup. This should be a pretty low-scoring game with a 40-point impl- total. It all around feels like a fun game to watch, but maybe not a good game to get much DFS exposure to. Oh, 40 point total. That's that's gigantic for this. Yeah, yeah, Are you right? kidding me? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> the fact that Waddle gets peppered with targets so consistently will always put him in play for me. I mean, seven targets last week was we could consider that a down week from a usage standpoint for the rookie receiver. Uh, that's really good uh, in terms of thinking ahead for his career, because we're at the point where we're kind of expecting him to get nine, 10, 12 targets in a game. Obviously, New England, who isn't bad defensively, they're one of the best teams in the league, actually, in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. They're going to spend a lot of attention on trying to stop Waddle. So I actually think Gasecki at 5,100 and Devontae Parker at 4,900, or excuse me, 4,900 have some tournament appeal. But I think this backfield is going to be a split. I think Tagabailoa isn't aggressive enough to be worth it at 5,300. I'd rather just get up to the premium salary tier tier where the ceilings are significantly better at quarterback. So it just leads me back to the the PPR monster and Waddle. You can play him at 6,300, but you don't have to. By the way, I see people talking about Dave the Remmer hitting those parlays. Uh, yeah, it's been awesome. I, I've, I've been hitting them as well using the parlay builder. If you're wondering where a lot of these are coming from, Understand you're not going to go in there and every day hit a five, six leg parlay with, you know, 25 to one odds. But this parlay builder's sick, man. It's totally free at Odd Shopper. I don't know how long it's going to be free, but it's uh, right at the top. You click parlay builder. You can decide how, what leagues you want. I mean, you can just do all leagues. You can decide the type of parlay 10x. You could do a prop party. You could do a chalk eater uh, dog days. So you want to bet dogs. You want to bet chalk. You want to bet a 10x parlay. You can ch- decide what book you want, uh, all of that stuff, what, what your wager amount is. And we put together with our projections, Alex Baker's projections, uh, and managed by some really sharp guys behind the scenes like Sean Zahn and Steve Buzzard uh, and Eddie and, and so many of these other guys that have just won a ton of money betting and playing DFS. Right here, man, like they'll give you the, the most optimal parlay out there. And when you're getting X win rates like this, it's, it's unlike anything else. So check them out. I think you'll love it if you want to dip your toes in the water. And all of us, we like tournaments. We like the the, the the big ROI. No better way to do that than some of these 10X parlays and these prop party parlays. They're a ton of fun. And, and I try and get one in or two in every single night. Uh, all right. So let's close it out then, Matt. 13 games. We're, we're going to come in under the gun. We're going to come in under two hours here. New Orleans and Atlanta, New Orleans laying four and a half on the road, 40 point total for me, the, the only thing, and, and maybe like Marcus Callaway, we could talk about, but for me, 
I think you probably see in a must-win game here. This is a must-win game for New Orleans. Alvin Kamara get a shit ton of work against the Atlanta Hawks this week, or Atlanta Falcons, sorry, this week. Yeah, whatever bird they're playing in Atlanta, he's running a lot because I think you're going to see Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara try to win this game with their legs. That simple. Uh, Alvin Kamara could easily see 25 total opportunities. If it went to 30, I wouldn't be surprised. Is our projection for him all that exciting? No, but I think that we're actually underselling the ceiling here for Kamara. Atlanta hasn't been good defensively all year. They're bottom five in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. And while they lean towards being a pass funnel, we know the way that New Orleans wins is by controlling the game with Kamara and with Taysom Hill, mostly with his legs. It hasn't been very pretty of late, but I still do think New Orleans has a good chance of pulling off the win here. And if they do, in a plus game script, Kamara could easily smash at 8,300. That's how I see it as well. Not a ton of carries last week, but he made up for it in receptions. He played almost 80% of snaps. He's going to be out there a lot. They need him. You want to get into the playoffs, you ride your best player, and that is by far Alvin Kamara. They clinch a playoff berth with a New Orleans win, so they need to win, and San Francisco needs to lose. Very, very practical or very feasible that this this happens. The, the, The Niners are road dogs. They play the Rams really well. Don't get me wrong. They do. They play them really well. Uh, but they're, what, four-and-a-half-point dogs. So this is a possibility. How do you do it? Lean on Alvin Kamara. I think you could see an absolutely monstrous game from him this week, uh, at least from a volume standpoint. They have to feed him the football. And in Atlanta, Matt, yeah, in Atlanta, Kyle Pitts is questionable. I saw all this stuff on Twitter, too. Like, I don't know if Ridley's ever going to play again, at least not for the Falcons. It's strange. But uh, Yeah, that – that stuff coming out today, I'm going to hold judgment on that, especially because it doesn't really matter from a fantasy What came out today? I saw this yesterday. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it was just the same news about... Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if I missed, like I wasn't sure if I missed something start. else. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's, um, it's ugly, but so is this offense. And yeah. Matthew Stafford, I saw someone talking about this. They're like, you know, you, you kind of have to ride for Matt, uh, Matt Ryan, especially if you're a Falcons fan, because... This dude has had no help. I mean, Calvin Ridley's gone. Julio's gone. His number one receiver, I'm not talking about Pitts, but his number one receiver is is Russell Gage. And then if you want to consider a a rookie tight end, it's crazy. Yes, sure, Corderell Patterson's been solid, but Ryan has not had a ton of help this season, and it's been a, a rough year. They still won. They've still won seven games though, which was shocking to me that they were actually in playoff contention, you know, leading up to like week 16 or 17 with all of the problems and all the absences they've had in that offense. Yeah, I still think that Matt Ryan, despite the personnel changes, the fact that he didn't have his number one option in the receiving game basically all season long, I still think he hovers right around league average in terms of overall efficiency You know, true passer rating, he's 14th and expected points added, he's 17th. You know, considering the personnel, that's really solid. The reason we don't think of him that way is because he usually sits in these in years like this where the Falcons have down years. uh, He sits around 25, 20, 27th in fantasy points per game. He's 26th 
right now. And, and you make a good point because every time they do surround him with well above average talent in the skill positions, he responds with epic years. I remember the first year, I think it was like 2012, Tony Gonzalez was his in his final years. And Matt Ryan gets them to within a game of the Super Bowl. Then 2016, they revamp with Kyle Shanahan. He gets to the Super Bowl, of course, that 28-3 to game. Looking at this game here, I think they'd love to play spoilers. I think they'd love to dump it off to Cordell Patterson and somehow, you know, get back to where he was in midseason form. Patterson's down to 19th among running backs in expected fantasy points per game, and he's now performing below expectation. He was up over seven and a half points above expected at one point this season. The only player we have as a true value compared to salary is Russell Gage we somehow have within the in the top 10 wide receivers in terms of projection i think that is assuming that kyle pitts is not going to play but i get it i get why our tools are going there who else are you going to throw to if pitts sits here gage could easily be in line for 10 targets he could be it's not fun but he could be i mean ultimately this game has a low total so do many games on the slate i, I still don't you know, hate getting away from Atlanta, but they're going to have to go somewhere with the football. And maybe it will be Russell Gage at that price point. I think it's totally fine. Let's close out this show with a, a super chat from our, our boy, Pot Pharma. AK is a pivot from Taylor Jefferson from Cup, question mark. Yeah, look, if I what's the ownership? Let me just see what the discrepancy in ownership here is on Camara. Where's Camara coming in at? 7% and... and and Taylor's at 22. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I like Taylor over Alvin Kamara, but yeah, I like Alvin Kamara a lot. And then Jefferson over Cup, it, anything anything can happen here. The only difference is that Jefferson's actually pr- projected for more ownership than yeah. Cooper Cup this week, and I love both of them. Uh, Debo Debo is my pivot play, my, my pivot play from Cup, but okay. I think AK is a really solid pivot from Taylor. I like it. That'll do it for us, Matt. Coming in under the two hours. Actually, quite a bit under because we started a little bit late here today. So it's been a great season, man. We'll be back for the playoffs, but uh, it's been a great regular season. We appreciate you guys. It's been a whole lot of fun. Yeah, it really has, guys. Thank you so much. It's been a blast. Stick with us for the playoffs, and uh, we'll be be giving you all the content leading up to this Sunday as well. I'll be back tonight. NBA Deeper Dive, 5.30 p.m. You got NBA Live before lock. Uh, you got the awesome O betting show coming up at 1 p.m. with Aton Shander and your boy Ben Rasa. Got a ton of stuff. NHL strategy show. Just just stick around. Check out the awesome O odds channel while you're at it. That's where Ben and Aton will be residing today. And uh, shout out your boy Jordan Klein, as always, for producing this show. It's a long one, but he hangs in. We'll see you back here next week on the matchup show. A little shorter, a couple uh, fewer games, but we'll be here as we always are. Have a good rest of the week, fellas. Peace. See ya.